Welcome to the New Books Network. Good morning, good evening, good night, NBN Entrepreneurship and Leadership. Personally, I'm fascinated by the story. Trust is an underrated weapon in the business landscape. I'm a really, really strong believer in learning by doing. What's the definition of success? He's trying to come up with an answer to the question. But go ahead, Richard. You could be right, but you're wrong. <laughs> good morning, good evening, good night, Entrepreneurship and Leadership Channel listeners on the MBN. I'm here with my friend and business partner, Kimo Fondakidis, and a very special guest, Christian Arno, who I could introduce introduced based on his LinkedIn profile, but Christian, why don't you introduce yourself the way you do when you meet someone, at whether it's a party or a business event, just telling them a little bit about yourself and what you do. All right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a founder of a scale-up business um, in sustainability, and it's a platform that helps larger businesses to give agency to their employees when it comes to uh, sustainability. So, yeah. Okay, and I believe that this isn't the first venture you've done in your life. It's not my first rodeo, no. So Kimon and I uh, <laughs> crossed paths in the translation and localization industry in the past. So that was my my first business. Yeah. Okay, and and I, okay, the, what I was expecting you to say was that you successfully exited relative in the last couple of years, wasn't it? Is relatively recent your exit? Yeah, Christmas before last. Yeah. Okay, so so you've done what many of our listeners might might dream of doing one day, which is to build up a successful business and sell it. Or some of our listeners might not realize that when someone starts a business, this is regarded as a successful outcome and that they don't realize that an exit is what you, what some entrepreneurs do. But um, anyway, th- thanks for that. And maybe if we just go a little bit back in your life, would your family, your friends, when you were a kid, a teenager, be surprised to hear that you'd gone into business and you know been a successful businessman and doing your own thing or was it something that was always obvious that that's the sort of thing you might be going to do i think it was sort of obvious um i had lots of little money making ventures growing up um you know selling comics to my mom my poor mom and dad um <laughs> you sold to your parents yes yeah, to my parents yeah. <laughs> um, good customer base <laughs> yeah very loyal very loyal um um, the first sort of um, time I went out with the the, the family was um, I, I was on a I used to get twenty pence pocket money um, in, growing up in Aberdeen, and um, I would buy these one penny um, sort of chewing gum that, uh, things that had um, transfers on them, and I remember on on the bus home um, some of the other uh, kids I, I travelled with saying could could I have one, and I said. Yes, you can have one, but this one p uh, suite will cost you two p. Um, and, and by the end of the week, my twenty p pocket money was eighty four p. My dad got wind of it, and sort of he said it was totally immoral to be making money from other people. Really, he, he shut it down. So, yeah, <laughs> okay. regulation, Reg- yeah. regulation, and you had a regulation mm. at an early age. Yeah. Well, uh, well, when when I was eight years old at New College Choir School in Oxford, where I grew up, I was buying lollipops for one p and taking them in to New, the choir school where there were boarders who weren't allowed off the premises and selling them for two p. And that worked very well until that was closed down by the school. And I also was able to double my money in a matter of days and thought that business was much easier than it subsequently turned out to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. We even had, I mean, exactly the same purchase yeah. price and uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, it lasted for quite a while before I got caught. But so it was. Um, anyway, um, so so your your dad, so your parents weren't supportive of your entrepreneurialism. <laughs> <laughs> not not at that stage. Um, yeah. And how and how old were you? I mean, and so uh, a how old were you when that was happening? And also, where did you get the idea from? Did it just come from nowhere, or did you have any role models like uncles or people you admired? You thought, well, I want to be a business. I want to be an entrepreneur, a businessman. Well, I certainly didn't know the word entrepreneur. Um, and I think I, I'd always sort of had an interest in money. Mum and dad joke that I knew how to add up 20p plus 20p before I knew how to add up 20 plus 20 type thing. <laughs> um, so there was something there. Um, dad did set up a business um, in um, oil and gas exploration. So he he was entrepreneurial. He, he still is in, in many ways. Um, mm. 
So, yeah. Okay, so, so business was okay for him, but not for you. <laughs> yeah, I think he had a very strong sense of what was right by other people. Yeah, yeah. You know. and, and, and some people have picked up from your accent and certainly knowing UK geography, Aberdeen's a, a port city, in fact, the oil and gas hub for the North Sea based yeah. on the... Um, east coast of Scotland and Scottish stereotype is I've got some Scottish roots is to be very canny and sort of careful with money and I, I don't know anything about this from other sources but would you say that means that Scots are sort of slightly business orientated as a as a stereotype or because there's another view which is Scotland's a sort of is a deep red socialist country where where no one does a, looks after themselves and expects other people to look after them and perhaps you could that's very provocative and not yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, what are you doing, it. Richard? Like, where, like, where are you I taking this? You get a Scotsman it. on the and program, and you're just like stirring the, stirring the, yeah. the, the, the and, pot. And an Englishman as well. Exactly. No, what no, a no, bold, bold man. I, I, I'm Polish, and I'm actually a Polish national oh, now, and I've, oh, I've got, I have Scottish <laughs> and French roots. So, so okay. <laughs> my my roots are actually also not not very um, clean, shall we say. I've got a Norwegian father and a, an English mother of South African and Irish or, origin, so mm. I'm a bit of a mixed up uh, kid. But um, yeah, I, so 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 to to talk to the the question about Scot Scottish uh, business culture. Um, so on, Aberdonians are famous within Scotland for being very careful with money. Um, so, so being very tight. But actually, Aberdeen in the northeast of Scotland, I'm really proud to to be from there. It's it's always been a very entrepreneurial, affluent area, a, a trading as you as you noted, a, a port, strong in agriculture, um, for for centuries, and it was wealthier than um, you know the the rest of the UK uh, on on average um, well before oil and gas landed in the seventies. So um, there's a there's a strong entrepreneurial um, pedigree um, in 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 the northeast. Okay, and so, so so thanks for that. And apologies for any Scottish listeners. I was just <laughs> yeah, we've lost them. We've I, lost I, them I, now. We've lost them. <laughs> yeah, listenership is going to plummet. We get a map of the world. Um, I I my my anyway. No, I'm not going to show off about my ancestors. Um, what I was going to ask was about the schooling that in when I was growing up in the UK and in in England, um, there was nothing about business in the schools. But you're a bit younger than me. In your schooling, did you have any any sort of preparation for life going into business or was it more just your you know you and what you wanted to do yeah i think like like you i i was a uh yeah it sort of t teaching about entre entrepreneurship wasn't a word that ever came up there was a business studies course but hardly anybody did it i think there was also a young enterprise uh, group um but I, I i for whatever reason i didn't get involved in that um so it was i just you know f fell into it and had little ideas yeah so tell us like how did you start actually so i mean apart from i like what was the first business i mean i'll start from like peddling sweets and stuff like that what, what did you have a like was it the first business the translation business or were there other businesses before that or how, what was the first like sort of real business that you sort of did yeah i would say that the first real business was was the translation business um i did have a, a university venture i set up the uh oxford university paintball society as, as if it was a society and and it was a you know, it was a profit-making venture. I'm a bit embarrassed about that, but um, <laughs> how, how uh, much? How much? How much money did you make? Oh, it was it was single-digit thousands, I think, on that one. So it's not um, bad when you. It's not bad compared to a summer job, though, is it? No, it, exactly. And um, you know, met some cool people and uh, got to play some paintball. So happy um, day. And health and safety insurance. It was all totally. Oh, I think I may not have. Uh, Got to <laughs> the regulation <laughs> side. <laughs> what, 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 one, one of our other interviewees, um, uh, Michael, Michael, I don't know, he's in Singapore now. He was running illegal booze parties. Blakey, Blakey, Blakey. Michael Blakey was running illegal parties with alcohol in the States <laughs> with no license. Raves, um, basically raves. Raves. And he's, again, he's my, he's more my generation, our generation, it's an older people's generation. And, you know, he totally, I think that there are some people, who, anyway, 
So you you did I saw on LinkedIn you did languages at university and uh, quite a, quite a famous one between Milton Keynes and Swindon called Oxford, right? Is that correct? Yeah, I think I think you went to a, a definitely a, a top three British university <laughs> as well. If I, <laughs> no, I mean, it's a little bit of rivalry going on here. So again, listeners, ignore <laughs> ignore. Um, so uh, Oxford University is really quite well known, uh, and a lot of people think highly of it. Um, so. You had the modern languages degree, and still that, despite having that, which gives you quite a good position in the job market to get a decent job, you just ignored all those options and went straight into business. Is that correct? Or how did you actually start the translation company, and why do that rather than getting a regular job? Yeah, so on my year abroad in Italy, um, I, I was a language assistant in a college, and the whole dot com boom was happening, and and it was just too exciting not to not to do something and this is in the days when uh, a yahoo listing was the way to to generate business rather than uh, google and um so i asked a friend at uni if he would create a website for me uh, advertising effectively student translation services um the company was called tgv24.com we wanted a a sort of european icon and um yeah got that listing it was a, a horrible looking website um uh, Clara and Clara and Amber, um, and um, yeah, our first customer was Fuzzy Brush. They do these <laughs> brushes that you can buy if you've forgotten your toothbrush in 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 the gents, probably in the ladies as well. And they were, you know, visionaries about um, being able to market online. <laughs> um, so um, and multilingual as well. I mean, multilingual, yeah. And, and they were going into a, a good basket of, uh, of of languages. Came what's, what's what's the French for fuzzy? What's the French for fuzzy brush? <laughs> I think it's the brush. The fuzzy brush. La, la, la brosse. The fuzzy brush. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So um, that was um, that was great, and I guess it proved that you know people would trust uh, an upstart translation business that they found online um we could keep customers happy they would keep coming back good good recurring revenue and and that made me think that so i went back to to uni got got my degree and then my friends who'd built the website they were going to be running their website design company and i would try and get tgv uh going changed the name to lingo sort of quite quite soon and and went from there mm -hmm. and what sort of stage was it when you knew that it was really going to work. I mean, because quite often people have an idea and you get the odd customer here and there. And there's so, at some stage, there's a sort of a moment where you think, huh, this is really going to be something. And was that the first customer or was there some bigger customer that came along that sort of opened your eyes to the possibility? Because a lot of people in translation imagine that it's restaurants, <laughs> restaurant menus and <laughs> you know, can't quite believe or signs and lifts and can't quite believe that you can make a living off of it. Yeah, no, there were there were two things actually that happened that were real breakthroughs, um, because I remember in the very early days I was staying at my parents' house back in Aberdeen and I was going to, you know, networking events and and it was embarrassing really. Like I I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what my target customer was or value value proposition. And I was so young, it was quite hard for, I think, n normal business people to take me seriously. Um, <laughs> so. Um, so thank God, um, I sort of, um, I think the first breakthrough was understanding search engine optimization. Um, I don't know if you remember, but in those early days, it was, it was really quite easy um, to get to the top of search engines. There's the anecdote about, do you know the George W. Bush anecdotes um, related to search marketing? So, you know, I, I think it's still the case that on Google, you can hit, I'm feeling lucky to try and get the first result up. Yeah, it used to be the case that if you if a relatively small number of people linked to the same page with the same anchor text, that that would be the top result. And so if you hit I'm feeling lucky, it, it would go to that page. And so a group of bloggers who got who got this, who, who I used to follow, um, all linked to George W. Bush's White House page with the anchor text miserable failure. So that when you typed in to Google, I'm, uh, you know, miserable failure, I'm feeling lucky, you would, you would see him as, you know, that was their sense of humor. Um, so, but, <laughs> but I guess, but I guess that sort of illustrates that it was, um, 
you know, you, you, you could get search rankings and you could. Did you have like the white page and then in white text, you'd like translation, 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 translation. We didn't, we weren't doing all that like crazy, <laughs> like crazily, obviously black hat stuff. And, and we did get in trouble with the search engines um, a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, because the, the beautiful thing there was, you know, I was sitting in this um, spare room in Aberdeen, um, but I was getting business inquiries. Sure. So, quite large had, had you fixed your website to look a bit better than the purple and beige or whatever it was yeah 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 it was um a sort of more like appealing blue and white i think at that point so so but like from uh so that was like the marketing thing you were like doing search engine search engine optimization or early or it sounds like very early search engine optimization sorry i was gonna say so the aberdeen chamber of commerce they looked at you and thought you were very too young to be in business but as they say on the dog at the keyboard on on the internet no one knows i'm a dog right the, yeah. on the, when people were finding you online they didn't realize that you were young and inexperienced yeah they just heard enthusiasm um willingness to help and yeah they thought they thought they would and was there like a break like what was the breakthrough so like you were i, I guess you're just getting but the, there must have been a couple of breakthrough clients or things that gave you sort of direction and just like maybe just talk us through a little bit how you built this business and what was the time scale of of uh, of things yeah um, so I, I remember looking back at the numbers you know what sort of sales we were doing um and i think the first year was about 43 grand um which to a student that's not bad it was it, i think it was pretty pretty good um yeah. the second year uh, th this was the, the the next major breakthrough. Um, a significant travel company got in touch with us, and they wanted hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of translation done. And I, I built a relationship with the guy, visited him in London, and delivered it with some colleagues at, at, at that time. And that really meant that I could, you know, build a small team. Um, yeah, really, you know, uh, we, we were off and running at that point, and, and that was early. So I was so lucky. I didn't have to get any significant third-party right. investment. Um, yeah. <clears throat> That's awesome. And But I love about that little anecdote is that you knew that you need to go and build a relationship because that's one of the big things about the business or in, in probably any business, but it, for sure in this business as well, is, the, the, is, is actually getting to know your customer for, on a personal level because uh, – and you you had that instinct, I guess, just right from the beginning to get on a, I guess, get on a plane and go. Did um, you did you fly down? To, uh... <laughs> I can't remember what I did. I certainly used to fly a lot more than I do now. Um, yeah, yeah. So life has changed. And um, and then the translation business. I mean, again, some of our listeners, Kim has had quite a few people from his network on, so we've had quite a few translations. But there's quite a technical side to it, and it's not as easy as you think once you go beyond doing it yourself on your computer so at what stage did you sort of figure out and how did you figure out all the sort of the technical process project management translation memory stuff in the background that now maybe more people know about but back then i imagine wait did you learn that at university or did someone teach you or did you hire someone how did you get that know-how so i mean I, i've always been um you know because it was the dot-com boom and, and technology generally that we were that, that was in some ways differentiating us from other providers at that time um we've always been on the front foot or we always were on the front foot when it came to technology um I've, i'm not a techie though so i had to get um people involved and so those colleagues those friends of mine who you know ran the web design agency they were our first techies and then we we sort of built out um technical capability um yeah ever ever more type thing um mm. including i guess the you know joss who who led our tech team in those days he recruited some people in romania when we first went to romania um and we had a guy in new zealand uh, who worked with us for a long time on on some of the sort of the the the, the really translation specific um technology um, Mm. Yeah. And so you got the the, the sort of six figure client, and a, a, by the way, grant means a thousand a thousand for non non British English listeners. Um, so, and did you at that think, wow, well, if there's one travel company that can do that, I can build this up to be a big business? And did you have like a vision of where it was going to go? Because sometimes people these days, when people are looking for funds, they're told, you know, 
paint a vision in the minds of investors. But you, a, I, I think you said you didn't have investors at all. Um, and did you know where you were taking it, or did you just think this is a good idea? I'll just, I'll just do this until uh, forever or whatever. Yeah, I, I didn't have a, a a vision. I thought it was a good idea, and it had to be done, and there was lots of opportunity. But I think at that stage. I wasn't uh, enough of a strategic business thinker to even think, you know, we've got this client in the travel industry. I'm going to focus on travel or, 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 you know, or find other companies that look like them. I think I was quite focused on building a business that had no offices, um, that was all operating through technology. And That's remote. interesting. That's ahead of you. That was very much ahead of your time, uh, ahead of, uh, ahead of your time, actually. Yeah. And I didn't like um, the whole sort of like traditional way of doing businesses with with offices and having to meet people. I, I instinctively, I actually like that a lot more now. It's funny how uh, I don't know, sort of count, counter cyclical or something, <laughs> or just an awkward bugger maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've just crashed our iTunes listenings now. Yeah. <laughs> saying that, saying that. Um, we'll be so so you had the vision of remote okay so was there anything and did you ever raise investment until you exited or was it just 100% you or did you cut some other people in yeah so um much later than most businesses would i think after sort of 11 years um i was on a stag do and i met a guy who's now a good friend um who and, and was talking to him about the business and and specifically about share options because I wanted to, to find a way to reward people who are on the journey, but I'd heard lots of stories about share options not really not really working, and he said, "Well, my boss uh, has done an amazing job of that, and um, built a huge business, um, and really rewarded people over multiple um, sort of exits." And so you should speak to someone. So uh, I met with his boss and got on well with his boss. And um, he he invested quite a bit in Lingo and was chairman. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. And then, it did, so did you then roll out some, because it is kind of, in, that is an interest, so, and you rolled out a share option, pro, some share option program or some, because yeah, a lot, I think that's something that um, a lot of companies, like we did that at Argos as well, very successfully, but I think a lot of tr transition companies that I know, they don't do that. And and it is very difficult. And I actually do agree with whoever was telling you that it's actually is very difficult to get people to actually care about it because you care <laughs> because it's your company, but even and it sounds wonderful, but, but very often it's hard to get people to care or to give it an amount that makes it so how did you were you success do you feel like you were successful with that or no i don't think we were <laughs> <laughs> i think there were quite a few mistakes on that one um what i wanted to give everyone in the company uh, yeah. and, and the others didn't um but i i insisted um the result of that was that people got payouts well they didn't care about them exactly <laughs> um but they got some some payouts which uh, you know is 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 fine um, I think we we didn't, you know, from the point, f from the time of that investment, we grew a bit, but we didn't grow in line with expectations. And okay. that meant that a lot of those option holders, you know. Okay, they didn't get, there wasn't an upside on top of, I see what you're saying, there wasn't an upside on top of. Uh... They, they, they got something, but they didn't get, yeah. you know, um, the sort of life-changing amounts that right. uh, we all hoped. Um, yeah number of people would get so so what so what uh can you give us a sense of time so like just like what so this was as you said you said dot com so that was 2000 and then it which and then what how like 10 years in like how many years in did you get this investor and then how and then how much longer did you so i think you it, actually... in, in many ways it's a game of a game of two halves the yeah it's yeah, so a business founded in 2001 um i think the investor came in 2012 if i remember rightly okay um, and then the business was ultimately sold in 2021. Um, so, yeah. And then what was the process like? So it was just slow and steady all the time or it was just up and down or, or and then did the did the investor make a difference in, in, in sort of like pushing you to go forward? It didn't sound like the post-investment was like hyper growth or anything like that. No, no. I mean, there were lots of good learnings um, from it. Um, 
I mean, the, the focus on recurring revenue and on sizable accounts, I think, made made sense. Uh, although the transition we made, I think, was a little bit faster than it should have been, and, and that caused some problems. Um, I think the culture of the business sort of was was compromised. Um, there were different cultures there, um, and I think I maybe deferred a bit too much um to some of the people who came into the business um but you know you live and you learn and i, I got a good exit and family's well set up and um yeah. can you give us a sense of size how big was because like, i actually have no idea how big was or is there anything that you can or would or interested in sharing in terms of how well obviously it started when you were by yourself and then how how big did it get actually so in terms of number number of employees, uh, uh, the the highest number of employees was about two hundred and thirty. Oh my goodness, huge! It, it 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 came down in terms of number of employees, but while sales was rising because we just got yeah. a lot efficient in terms of how we did mm-hmm. it. Um, nice. The the sort of orders of magnitude of turnover. Um, I think I think the peak was fifteen million dollars. Um, nice. That sort of order of magnitude. Um, nice. And then, so tell us about the decision or how. So you'd been doing it, I guess it's now we're talking about 20 years and you decided, so like, was that a tough decision? Like, how did you, what, what happened that made you decide that, look, I want to do something, I get, I, I don't know, was it, I want to do something else with my life. I want to, uh, I'm bored or what was the, what was the motivator to change, to make a change, yeah, yeah. Or to do something? So I'd always had this um, sort of slightly awkward relationship with, with capitalism Um I fell out with my best mate at the age of 19 about how how to change the world and he he wanted a revolution and and I want I I was like no we can do this through business um so that that's the sort of bit of background as you know me and 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 I tried through the building of of lingo to try and retrofit a sense of a sense of purpose and obviously that's a very personal thing I'm sure you'll have right. your way of of doing that but for me um I I couldn't find enough purpose in it um and so i was sort of floundering a little bit um and i went non-exec 17 years into the business so oh, okay steps stepped up and um, was the phrase that the chairman said mm-hmm. um to to be founder and president mm-hmm. and work 90 percent of my time with still with lingo um but then i had 10 percent of my time to start thinking what next and i thought that I might do some sort of advisory work and um, some low level of investing, that sort of thing. Um, but my wife called it pretty, pretty quickly. She was like, no way are you going to sit on the sidelines? You're, you're going to set something up. Um, and then sort of a, around that time, um, my dad, um, who'd been in oil and gas, <laughs> ironically enough, um, had his climate epiphany joined uh, Extinction Rebellion, which is an activist group in the UK, block, blocked a road here in Edinburgh, very close to where I'm sat now, and um, got sent to prison. And oh, my God. I think, I think I was whinging to him about Brexit at the time. And, and he sort of said, Christian, Brexit's you know really bad. Um, I wish it wasn't happening. But it's a pimple versus the climate agenda. Why don't you have a look at that? And so... The obvious thinking to me was, can I build a business that that I can really scale that's going to have impact on 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 climate? Um, okay, so tell us how to tell us where where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> so where we're going. So basically, <laughs> we um, we've what we've created is a, a software platform. Um, so it's accessible by employees within larger businesses and by le- heads of sustainability, heads of finance and so on. Um, and what it does is um, help to educate, uh, motivate and align um, employees, irrespective of their job, with what the business is trying to do around sustainability, around the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And for the business, it helps them to um, benchmark themselves against other businesses, see what works. Uh, align w- very much with um, the company's PNL because true sustainability is not going to happen unless unless you do that, and then embed sustainability deeply within an organisation. Um, so so I, I need to understand, like from a practical point of view, I'm an employee of a company. Yeah, I have uh, the app on my phone. 
And what am I, and like, whenever I'm doing, like, can you just give us some examples uh, how, uh, like, I mean, I, I'm just thinking, obviously, I don't know, like I'm tra- if I want to go travel, uh, that it might give me options or tell me how much I'm uh, costing from a, from a, from a, like a carbon perspective. I'm, I'm just not sure what's yeah, the, yeah. what's the, I, 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 I'm just trying to <laughs> help us visualize how, like how, to, how it actually works. For, sure. Yeah. For so it, basically the, 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 the lead of sustainability within the organization will um, set goals that are based on the science-based targets initiative, which is the gold standard of, um, you know, um, corporate sustainability. And then it'll cascade down from there um, a, a series of uh, actions and habits that the organization is going to propose to its employees. Um, that So the employee then will, will receive communications about this, about why it's in line with the, what the company is doing, and will be put into teams. And then the teams will compete through throughout the course of a sprint, uh, typically a 28-day sprint, to see who can do who can do most, um, create some buzz around it, and there'll be some form of reward at the end, which could could be a financial reward or could be um, some sort of um, you know bra- bragging rights. Let's see, um, and then the business gets a load of data as to you know w- what's been achieved in terms of CO two e reductions, or they may have different uh, objectives around waste or water, right, or electricity or recycling, or I'm just trying to. Well, yeah, so all of these things are things are the types of things that can be that that are yeah. put into it. I mean, that are like, yeah, hmm. yeah. We've got like 500, I think, different different actions, and that's growing all the time with feedback from from customers. Um, and and how should, and did you fund this yourself? Did you raise money externally? And because there's a bit of a danger, you've had a, a, a successful exit, you could fund it yourself, and it might be a, a terrible business, but it's something you care about, and you know you subsidise it until the money runs out, and then it collapses. That's I'm not, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, or has yeah yeah. But but like, can you just comment on the financing of it and the sustainability of your enterprise? And what's it called? I don't think we actually at the beginning you did t- tell us the name of the business as well. It, it, it's called Pawprint. Um, so we've got a polar bear mascot called Bjorn the Bear, and it's his paw print <laughs> that is like our our iconic uh, thing. So, uh, but to your point about financing, so I, I hadn't um, exited Lingo at the time paw print was founded. Um, so I had a chance conversation with a an investor uh, who I was introduced to years ago and who I've, I really respect. He's got an incredible brain. And I said to him, of course, he he asked what I was up to now that I wasn't, uh, now that I was in the founder president role at Lingo. And I said, I was thinking about this. And I, and I said to him, uh, obviously the elephant in the room is I'd love you to invest um, if ever um, it, it gets to that and I've got a plan. And he was like, yeah, I'm in. And, and I'm like, what? And, he, and he's like, um, sounds good. Um, I know you, you know, why not? And before I knew it, there'd been like a little, a little, sort of snowball effect and 50 or 60 people um from you know the network i'd built up when i when i wasn't looking for money were all putting um for them relatively small amounts um but in to to get us going and is this a um is this is this a non-profit or how does it actually what's the what's the model what, no, what kind of a model it's it's a no it's a very very profit like well is it very profit it's very commercially oriented um and because i think that you can't we we need to hire the very best people and reach as many companies as possible to have impact um and then the model is um so it's a b2b SaaS proposition so we charge um companies an annual fee based on the uh scale uh and, and value of of the rollout um and are, are you profitable now? Are you are you are you say you're for profit, but that's not all for profit. Businesses yeah. make a profit. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, not yet. Um, we will be this year. Uh, I'm pretty confident. Um, yeah. And how big is so? How long has this been going now? It's been going for a while. It seems like it's been. So the business was founded about three and a half yeah. years ago. Um, we launched the business proposition May before last. So we've actually been sort of in the market for about a year and a well almost over a year and a half um and we're at what f- we're ju- we just passed 600k of ARR and we've got big wow. customers like um um Vodafone and uh Tesco Bank 
um who else that you would have heard of um Aber- aberdeen uh the the financial services organization um bain and co um so we're, we're focused on uh larger um sort of white collar businesses um financial services professional services and and tech mm. well, if you have a short of advice you could always ask bain give them a discount and ask them to tell you what your strategy ought to be <laughs> they're inc- i mean yeah incredibly bright people it's 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 scary yeah and you mentioned uh, a few sort of fairly self-deprecating things about how you didn't have much strategic vision at the start and you know on you fell out with your friend because he was a revolutionary and you believed that the world could be solved through business and you did your exit i'm I'm just wondering about your sort of your personal evolution um your dad went from closing down your business to gluing himself to the road and i I, you oh i know what you said you said you're too much influenced by some of the people you brought in and got away from and it's like are you at, at this stage in your life are you making your own mind up and like if you've had influences on like where you are now is it internal and you also mentioned your wife as well and then i also notice you're competitive right you're a, you do competitive sports so i'm wondering if under the surface you're you're following <laughs> following the christian way um but it's giving some recognition of external influences or are you very much a stick in the stream being swept along by other people's opinions no no it's hard to it's hard to know isn't it i um i feel more confident now um than I than I was more more relaxed. Um, uh, I'm I'm compet- Like I love uh, games and fun, and um, I think when things stop being fun, you know, life's too short. Um, yeah, I, 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 it is an interesting one. The extent to which you should be influenced. I, I think I'm I'm pretty clear. Certainly, with I'm I'm very clear with paw print. That the model is right, um, that the opportunity for impact is is great, um, and I think we're approaching it like there are some people doing similar things, and I think we're doing it much much better uh, in terms of what I think we're all trying to do, which is have impact. Um, so I'm not sure if that answers your question. What- <clears throat> I have another one. What, what do you what do you do? What's your focus? Like, what, how do you spend your time um, in paw print? I mean, are you investors or sales or operation? I mean, just like what? How do you spend? I'm, I'm sure it's a small company, so you probably do a lot of different things. But like, is there a, is there a focus of of your energy? Um, yeah, right. Right. Well, right now, so we've done some investment work. Um, there's a little bit more investment work um, to be done, but I, I would say at the moment. Maybe twenty percent of my time is on investment. Um, we don't have much to do. We don't actually need any more investment to to get to break even. But we just feel like a little bit of um, buffer might be uh, might be useful. Um, so most of it is on customers at the moment. Okay, uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> and that's great. And then feeding feeding back the learnings and insights to the the product team, uh, the customer success team. Um, yeah, and. So how do you find, uh, because are there, so these, these have to be big organ, like you have to be selling into big organizations. Cause like, who's going to have like a sustainability charter? I don't know. Uh, these, I, I suspect these are big organizations. And have you found that there's places like, where do these people sit? Who are these people actually? Who, who is the client? Like, like, is it, it's not the, is it, it's not the CFO who, who, who is the, is it the CFO? I mean, who is the client actually for you? The, the client, the sort of day-to-day clients would be um, sort of leads of a sustainability program. Okay. Uh, and the sort of the client with budget would typically be the, the heads of sustainability. Um, but what we're really doing now, and we've got a, a really cool ROI calculator, is helping finance people understand the return on investment on right. sustainability, mm-hmm. sustainability engagement because it's often... Um, like I sat down with the CFO from a wealth management company a couple of months back, and I said to him, "What's the, you know, which which line in your P and L are you thinking about this impacting on?" And quick as a flash, he was uh, talent, um, because they are losing more talent than they would like, and if they could um, retain ten more people per year, because they believe that they can 
you know, have a sense of purpose, um, drive the sustainability agenda by staying, that would be worth a million pounds a year to them. Um, so that's, that's what I was, that's actually what I was get where I was going and you're actually answering is, so what's the pit? I mean, that like basically the pitch and that is what I, I, I suspect that there's more than one, but I was actually, but, 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 uh, but the fact of giving your, like, I don't know what, what, what I'm sure you have Paul Print has a pitch, but like giving your, giving your employees a sense of purpose or something like that could be a, like, is that one of the, that, is that one of the main, uh, is that a big, that's a bit major selling point, like giving your employees a sense of purpose? Um, I think, uh, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely a driver um, that people, you know, in their 20s and 30s are, are very motivated by purpose and they want to see real action. And, and, and paw print makes action transparent and, and drives more, more action. So, yeah. What would be some of the other selling points? So, uh, for a, a lot of companies in the UK who sell into the public sector, twenty uh, percent of the score now comes down to what you're doing on ESG. So, being able to evidence action in tenders um, will increase your chances of winning. In some cases, you know, hu- huge contracts. Um, so, government. These are these are government. So, like gov- the government saying we want companies that are um, thinking about sustainability. So. And be able to prove it, right? Because yeah. everyone says <laughs> they care, but mm-hmm. then it's, it's giving people data. Um, very, and you mentioned, like, when you're talking to the investor, you talked to him about this idea. Do you remember where the where did this idea come from? Because, as you said, you're not the only person. There are lots of companies trying to do something, but where did what where did you get the feeling this idea in the first place? And how did you sort of develop, if you like, your edge, your your feeling that there was a better way that you could deliver? Uh, personal personal pain. Um, so many of us in the, let's say, the mass affluent West uh, are, you know, recognize that climate change is a, a massive problem, but uh, it's not easy for us to know what we can do. Um, we don't have a vehicle for it. So I think the first stop when people start looking into this is to try and calculate their carbon footprint. And that that was very difficult. It's now, well, it's easy using paw print and it's easy with other ways as well. But the problem, you can't just stop there because uh, you're into diminishing returns pretty quickly and people won't generally, um, you know, behavioral change is hard. Um, So I took what we had then to businesses and said, does this fulfill a, a role for you? Does this, could this be adapted in, in such a way that it helps you meet your objectives and got a very strong response that yes, um, doing something that is relatable to employees from all walks of life is is important to us and, and a first step on the journey to um, getting the whole company aligned around sustainability. Mm. Yeah, I suppose taking a step before that, when you said you took this idea, but by you were just yet an, and as you say one of very uniquely so a lot of people care about climate change but what when you had a thing i want to do something about this as a business was that a particular moment I, I, or was it something you tried to do in lingo 24 your previous business or i mean i'm trying to sort of get the where the, the germination of the idea came from of making a business out of it, because you don't just so randomly go and talk to companies about their ESG. <laughs> Maybe you do. <laughs> um, no, you don't. No, no, I, I definitely wanted to, I, I believed that it, it had to be a business. I, I did sort of look into whether it could be a social enterprise or even a charity, um, but I, I realized I wasn't going to get the capital um, needed um, via those routes. Um, to hire great people. Um, yeah. Just flipping back a moment, can you? I, I, we skipped over it, but I think it's interesting. Is when you decide when did you decide to sell sell your previous business, and what was your process? How did you how did you go about that? That we we left that out. Obviously, it happened, and I think yeah. it's on your it's your link. We know you were acquired by um, Unbabble here in I'm in Lisbon here in Lisbon. Acquired oh, right. you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we know that. But can you just talk us through how you just took the decision and how you did it? Yeah, so I think when I uh, went non-exec, um, you know, three and a half, four years ago, whenever it was, um, that was a, you know, I, I, I didn't want to have um, majority shareholding in a business that I wasn't wasn't running, 
and the investor who came in who was the second biggest shareholder um also you know had had uh, had uh, had uh, yeah he he'd run it as long as he wanted was to was ready he was ready he was ready <laughs> um so we engaged a corporate finance house uh, Deloitte um who he'd worked with in a previous life and they started talking to uh, potential buyers basically it was very close to being sold just before covid hit um but that was kiboshed um by the you know deteriorating conditions um but then on babel came back um i can't remember when it was um maybe three or four months before the sale actually happened and said let's do this and i, and I think it's been really good for them and i think it's been really good for um everyone actually and i think it's a it's a fun business to be um you know for our, our people to have joined um so so yeah, how, how does your li- like uh do you work more you're working harder now am i working harder now <laughs> it goes up and down doesn't it i'm sure that's <laughs> the same for you for both of you. <laughs> well no i can imagine that i could imagine almost the answer yes because uh, the, the answer being yes because like i don't know I don't know, just listening to the story, it's like, you know, you've been doing something for a long time. You're getting sort of, it's like, it was time, right? You said it's ready and all that. And now you got excited. And now you're like doing this thing you got excited about. So I'm sure that you have a high, I mean, I'm sure you're quite engaged in in in, in this. I mean, and, you know, as you said, you have a pur- the purpose because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I also own a translation business. It's a, and, and no knock on the translation business. It's a great business, but it's hard to find like that. The, the purpose and the purpose that you're describing of actually making a difference, making the world better. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you, you, directly as a result of your business. Obviously, you can give to charity. You can do a lot of other things along the way. You can help as an organization, but the direct, you know, work to benefit to. Um, I don't know. A, f- a, f- a flawlessly, tra- a flawlessly translated guarantee card is very important, Kima. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I am. I am working hard, and um, I, I, I love this business, um, and I love what it could do for people. Ultimately. Um, uh, yeah, is where's it, it going to go? Like, where could it go? Like, what's the what's the potential trajectory of this? And how local is it? Like, how local is it actually? I mean, it's not like I know you said Aberdeen, so I assume that you're you're getting some client like a local whoever you you have locally your local network. But is the is this something that is currently global? Like, uh, like in terms of where you're selling into, like who these these people are, or does it have? It clearly has the potential to be, I guess, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, so for someone who's you know who shares a localization background with you, it's embarrassingly uh, sort of UK centric at the moment. <laughs> uh, but we do have some some customers who are using it internationally, um, in uh, Egypt, in Australia, in uh, Hungary, um, and so on. So um, the plan is to internationalize more. Um, I think in terms of the market opportunity, um, so there are, you know, we're, we're focused on larger businesses. Um, and in the UK, there are 4,000 businesses with 500 plus employees. Uh, in the EU, there are 20,000. And in the US, there are 184,000. Wow. Okay. So that gives you a nice indicator. Can you say how big does the business have to be? Because, so, okay. So, Argos is like, oh my God, how big are we? Like around 400, maybe around under 400. I don't even know how big it is now, but I don't, we don't have a sustainability uh, manager or something like that. So I'm just wondering at what the, what is the size of the bit? Like what's the, how, they have to be pretty big. Like, like how, how big are the, like, is it, is there, is it employees or is it a revenue thing? Like what's the size of the business where it, 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 it then fits in, it's a target, whatever it's a target basically. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. So the company, the smallest company I know of that's got sort of people with sustainability job titles. Hmm. Actually, that's not true. We've got, so Uni, the pizza oven company, they've got <laughs> sustainability principles. And I don't know how many people they have, but I think it's similar. Similar hmm. number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. They're, they're interesting though, because they're in the consumer space. And I think in the consumer space, there's a, there's a real drive to to show that you're a B Corp and you're, you know, yeah. Mm. yeah. Now then, in the U S now you seem to be indicating that the U S is this gigantic market, but, but I wonder, um, 
what are the um how much is the government incentivizing those companies to do things there i know there are other things in the us um with regard to let's say minority ownership and stuff like that that are very heavily incentivized which are very very it's very lucrative to be you know you 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 it, it's good it's it's actually a very good thing it actually works basically it helps minority owners um get more business um and it's not only a government thing it's actually big big corporations have that as well. So like well, you could be dealing with a subcontractor thing. So you have just like a gigantic company that's buying stuff from subcontractors and they demand a level of system. Now, I don't know, is that a, have you done the analysis? Like is, first of all, I guess the way you were saying it, is the US the market uh, or uh, like the biggest market where where you would, would possibly go or, yeah, and then, yeah, the, how much of these other things, the government or private uh, like rules come into play yeah so the, there's regulation coming in around the different scopes of emissions um so you know there, there's scope one scope two and scope three emissions um and there's more regulation around scope one and two at the moment we, we're our contribution is more to scope three um so so that is that is happening and the government in the u.s is definitely um uh, you know, m more onto it um, than than it was in the past. I think there's still some cultural differences. And um, you know, we've had advice that we should um, start in blue states, because um, it's I think more political in the states, mm -hmm. in the UK. Um, and I think that there may be a smaller, you know, of those 184,000, there may be a smaller percentage initially that might be, you know, addressable for us, but. One percent of one hundred eighty-four thousand is. It's a big. It's big. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, and, and so uh, sorry. Sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm conscious of time, and yeah, there's a, a couple of things. Uh, and you mentioned your wife, do, uh, and you, uh, we talked about your parenting. Do you have kids, or would you give advice to younger people or people listening? What would you tell them about entrepreneurship as a as a choice of what to do with your life? Because you've mentioned impact. When you when you were a kid, it was about money. Now you're talking about impact. But is this a life for everyone? You know, maybe what are some downsides? Just like if you had to summarize in a few sentences what you think about having your own business compared to being a normal person, <laughs> what would those yeah, what would, what, would they, what, what would those be? Yeah. I do have kids. Um they're 10, 8, and 5. And I think there may be one of them, one of them maybe more might might uh might be destined for this path um i think I, I always say that the the sort of highs are higher and the lows are lower um if you're if you're setting up your own business um and so that may not be for everyone um some people want more sort of stability and may may think of risk differently um i think it's a fantastic way to learn i think d doing it straight out of uni when you have no responsibilities um I, I'm assuming is I think it's I think a great way to learn uh, what business is really like, um, yeah. So I think it's a great I think it's a great path. Yeah, come luck. We're we're lucky. Mm. Yeah, certainly. And and obviously you've taught you've been uh, and I'm modest about where you were and where you are now. If you think about the lessons you've learned or things you'd have done differently if you'd had the benefit of hindsight were like really big obvious mistakes in my as in my case or maybe a few a few things that it took you a bit of while to realize were more important than you thought to start with um yeah that's really interesting i mean i think most of the things i would do things that i did later earlier um for example well, yeah um for example i think i think probably mm, I, I maybe should have sold lingo a bit earlier um that 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 might have been might have been better um what else would i do differently i would with lingo i i think we didn't build a sort of proper scalable sales function um i think we were a bit reliant on on, on me and maybe one other um but i think it's it's a, it was a great it was a great experience overall, you know, managed to travel the world in my 20s primarily um, and learn from all these different inspirational businesses and people around the world. Um, so that was good. What else would you do differently? I don't know. Not, not too much. I, I, yeah, not, not one for changing too much. Mm. 
and and you learn from people but again to make this practical what where do you get your information do you listen to the radio do you watch youtube videos do you just go to events where where do you learn if you want to learn something because like business is it's not rocket science but there's loads of things you don't know when you start that you have to learn from somewhere and what where, what where, where, where do you tell people to go to make sure that they learn rapidly because it is a question of speed as well because if you learn too slowly you die right yeah, I think um, mentoring's important. I think there are also sort of self-help groups for people running businesses that are, are really useful. Um, I think people who have been there before but maybe are sort of one or two stages ahead of you rather than seven because mm-hmm. that can result in the wrong things. And I think also I really think people should take advice from others with it, with a pinch of salt because we're so conditioned by our own experiences um that that you know the advice i give you if i were to give if i was to deign to give you advice would probably not be right because i wouldn't understand your context um uh, business press love reading the business press and the other thing i'm doing now actually i'm doing a bit of angel investing with a uh, a group of experienced operators and i love that because they've all got different perspectives and i and they're all you know really bright people and I, I learn from them what's the name of the angel group if you can share it yeah it's called ventures together interesting, uh, yeah. interesting. yeah i i'm in business with someone who's was very active in the cambridge angels cambridge you know that university between newmarket and milton Keynes. just to be <laughs> to be fair um and uh certainly the people who do that sort of thing in a systematic way learn learn a great deal um Kim, I, i've got one more question but i'm conscious of having monopolized things but Kim, is there anything else you want to ask because there's one one other yeah thing. i'll ask one and then you can wrap it up um i find this very inspirational personally uh because uh i think about the same thing actually i think about h- how can i make a difference uh what and 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 so like i'm i think about these things and then i'm just also thinking about anybody out there who's thinking about setting up a business because that actually wants to make a difference because actually what you didn't mention and i assume is the case is that the employees that you get are probably very motivated by working in your company because your company is directly built to make a difference and so how i i, I don't know if this is maybe going to be a personal question not for you but personal for any individual, but how could you, like, if somebody wanted to go about setting up a business and trying to choose an activity that it's actually going to make an impact, is there, like, is it just like, what's your personal thing that you care about? And then like, just go with it. Like, do you have any, do you basically, do you have any advice about somebody for anybody who would be thinking about, um, to creating or it not necessarily creating, you know, obviously creating a business, that's a big thing, but maybe just doing anything to just make a social impact to, 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 you know, maybe just even in their, in, in their daily life. I mean, is there, is, do you have any advice around that? I mean, yeah, to, yeah, give our, to give our lives more meaning, you know, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the sort of framework. So I started off focusing this business on climate action. Um, but the more I've got into it, cause I've been learning um, myself it's like sustainability is like a leaky bucket with lots of holes in it. And climate action is one of those, it's just one of those holes. And there are other holes that include, you know, um, gender inequality, wealth inequality, biodiversity, oceans, you, you name it. And and I think that looking on the United Nations um, website at the, at the UN Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs, and trying to look at the one that just talks to you, that resonates with you within there, and how you know whether it's coming up with a business idea or thinking of a business um inspired by what's there is is a is a great thing for people to to do um the second thing i'd i'd do is point um point people to the b corp movement um which you know is all about businesses um changing their articles of association so that they're not just there to serve shareholder interests but also you know other stakeholders uh, including um looking after the environment um and i think the b corp community is is a really impressive group of of people yeah that sounds really interesting actually i don't know much about that actually well we'll put we'll put links in the show notes i'll ask you afterwards to send links to the things that we've referred to just so that we can we can share it. And my final question is the one I often ask is, is there anything 
important that we haven't asked you that we should have asked that you know just because we're, we're, we're really coming up to our time but is, is there anything that you haven't shared that you'd like our listeners to know about that you think sort of particularly important yeah i think um you know people get very driven by by money and um i remember sitting with a very successful entrepreneur here who said anything more than a certain amount is is status and i think there's a lot of truth in that and i think that amount is actually lower than most people might might think um I, th- I, th- I think there are, you know, it's important to have su- success, success to build the sort of life you want, but the success of that life is not measured in money, I, I think. Um, that, I think, is a really important point. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very good point to end on. So, Keeman does the rap much better than me, so I'm going to toss the ball over. Oh, really? I was trying to get you to do it. I was trying to get you to do it this time. For, for, for a change. No, I'll, I'll hand over to Keeman. <laughs> no, I'll, but anyway, I'll, Christian, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Right? So, anyway, seriously, thanks for taking the time. Uh, I did, like, I, I love to hear about uh look seriously this was inspiring for me personally and i and i hope that it's inspiring for the people to listen because like actually doing something that makes a difference should be something it, it actually matters it isn't only about money and i'm and i'm just saying it from a person that i've actually had lots, lots of personal success and like and i'm and i'm just thinking about like how can i do stuff that actually impacts stuff that matters and you know you just as you we have one life i think right i think we'll all agree we have one life and and uh uh, let's try to you know leave this place is you know you know obviously it looks like we're leaving it worse off than it was when we got here but if we can do anything to 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 make a positive impact i think that's important. So anyway i i love what you're doing and i love the fact that you've transitioned your life to do something like that i think that's very commendable and uh it just sounds cool and i wish you the best of luck and uh thanks 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 for taking the time i really really enjoyed it really enjoyed the chat guys appreciate it